The last time we talked, I was telling Dr. Royzen I was looking forward to getting out in the golf course because it was going to be a spectacular weekend in the Northeast here in the United States. And Dr. Royzen was like, well, don't hurry. Don't rush to be out there. You, you might have something else brewing. And he was right. I ended up with the COVID and I had never had the COVID before. So I am, I am fresh from a week time out, Dr. Royzen. And I'm here to tell you, you were correct. You were right. I hated that you were right, but you were. And uh, I, I uh, marvel at your genius every week, but even more so last week. Welcome, my friend. It's a privilege. Thank you. Well, Doc, did you ever have COVID? Not that I know of. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad you didn't. I, I didn't have it until this past week, and it's not fun. So try and take care of yourself. And I do think the stronger you are, the better health you are in. If you encounter something like it, the better fight you're going to be able to put up. So try and take care of yourselves. Dr. Royzen wants us all to go to the Longevity Playbook website, which is longevityplaybook.com. And that's the place where you go to train your body to live younger, to live longer, and all that good stuff. And then we talk about how we can even be better at that when we get together. Dr. Royzen, I'm looking over the list here, and there's a lot of terminology I don't understand, like every week, and you'll explain it to me. But the one thing that caught me, and we talk about how you got to stay active, how mobility is so important. And this study about mobility in an older adults is tied to higher income. What, what is this all about? Um, what it's all about is that if you maintain your mobility, if you routinely walk, you're more likely to stay healthy. And the people who are more likely to do things for their health happen to be those in the upper third of income levels. So one third of income levels in the United States, if you break it into tertiles, the people in the middle and lower thirds don't do as much physical activity, don't maintain their mobility, whether because of obesity or osteoarthritis or eating habits or where they live. Um, it's harder to exercise. They have to work two jobs as opposed to one. So what this really is, um, is saying that there is a real um, divide in, in how people are keep healthy and that there's a substantial difference. When we started looking at this, there was a three-year difference in life expectancy between those who maintain mobility and those who didn't. It's now about 15 years, so Holy it's really cow. important to maintain mobility. And, and we talk about mobility all the time and trying to stay active, and you're, you're a big advocate of doing that 20-minute walk every day. That's one of the cheapest and simplest things you can do to benefit your personal health is to stay mobile, to stay in motion. And it, and it helps all parts of your body in fighting off age and, and all the other illnesses that are chasing us down. So this is one of those things, people, if you can just put a priority on 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of walking, you're not sprinting, you're not running, you're not cycling, you're just walking and it's going to pay off big time. Wow. That 15 years in, in change. That is gigantic, doctor. That is huge. 
explain the first one to me. The pulse field ablation may bridge gender gap. Well, this is this is actually a really good one. Go ahead, t- say it. I interrupted you. That's all right. But I'm really glad you chose to go there. So go ahead. Well, the number one thing on your list is pulsed field ablation may bridge gender gap in AF ablation. And I'm thinking that's arterial fibrillation. Um, atrial fibrillation, atrial. right. Yeah. Atrial fibrillation is a major uh, problem in elderly. So um, this is a new way of doing atrial fibrillation ablation. So believe it or not, this started, ablation started, I think, in the early, maybe the late 1990s, early 2000s at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, with literally electric wire going in and burning the abnormal pathway. It required a lot of skill to find it. And then came a technique where you essentially uh, burn a, all of the inner part of a, uh, the pulmonary vein. That's where it originates, the atrial fibrillation. And so you can stop the abnormal rhythm. The problem with that is it worked better for men than women by about 10% difference. And secondly, that you had to be very careful because every now and then, one in a thousand nationwide, one in something like 15,000 at the Cleveland Clinic, so I'm proud of where I work, but it, um, you would burn a hole into the esophagus, creating an esophageal pulmonary artery or atrial fistula connection, horrible, and all of those people would uh, go through a painful and miserable death. Um, so we needed something that didn't risk that, even though it's one in a thousand or one in 15,000, you don't want any of that. So the new way of doing this is literally a radio frequency pulse field that is, um, as effective. It's about 80% effective at ablating the abnormal rhythm. Um, and very close to being the same in both genders in the early studies and doesn't have this side effect from as far as we know. So this is a, it's not yet approved in the United States. It's now, I think, just approved in Europe. We expect it to be approved in the United States, we've done a lot of them at the Cleveland Clinic, Mount Sinai, New York has done a lot of them. And so we expect this to um, be the next usual technique. And this is where it looks like it's going. So not yet approved, we expect it to get approved by February or March of this next year. So everyone will be able to get the benefits of this. That's excellent. That's great to hear. And, and it's nice to know in in like 40 years, we've gone from 
somebody taking a flamethrower to clear the sidewalk of snow and ice to now something very focused and targeted that does as little damage as possible to the rest of the system that still cleans up the walkway. That's how I see the early days of the ablation, as you were talking about. And now this this radio pulsed field is just a very exciting. More exciting news, and I, I love when we see this kind of stuff, when, when you read about living alone is tied to higher risk for cancer deaths, this reinforces the push to have a posse. This reinforces what you've been saying for so long is that loneliness is such a problem for us. We need to make sure we're, we're trying to help eliminate loneliness. Is it really a, a huge increase in cancer it's a thirty. It's a 30% increase. Oh, my God. So, in other words, the, it's actually, to be specific, a 32% increase. So, and it, it turns out it's worse in um, non-Hispanic white adults um, than in non-Hispanic black adults. But it's present in everybody living alone is a, obviously, you don't ablate stress as well. And that the total of the the effect is about a thirty two or thirty three percent increase in cancer rates. If you know somebody who's fighting cancer, there's nothing better you can do than give them a little time, even a phone call. And it is so important. And it's it's better than drugs in many ways. And that is just a gigantic number, almost a third increase in cancer deaths of people who are living alone. So again, think about that. It's about what you can give back in this life. Doc, I keep hearing all these states are, are decriminalizing psychedelics. Like Oregon seems like everything's legal in Oregon right now. I'm worried about all these psychedelic drugs out and everybody's using them recreationally, et cetera. Um, are, are they beneficial in any way, shape, or form? I know you have something to hear about OCD. Well, we're, we're now... They're now getting studied in what we call randomized controlled trials. Uh, I'm still, um, if you will, wanting to see all the data. But in people with obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, uh, it turns out that classic psychedelics, that is LSD is the classic psychedelic, if you will, in a randomized controlled trial, reduce the symptoms of OCD significantly. And so we're now beginning from UC San Francisco, from Oregon, from Hopkins, from Cleveland Clinic, reliable places studying these in randomized controlled fashion in pill preparation. The joy of this is that the psychedelics aren't schedule one. And because of that, they can be made uniform and studied well and found out what really works and what doesn't, and to find out the specific cases where it's supporting, where it's appropriate to use them. Hmm. The, the problem with cannabis or marijuana is it's still Schedule One, so it can't be studied very well and clearly not uniformly state to state. That's why, in fact, uh, it's, it is really excellent um, to have it studied in this way in a randomized controlled fashion. Well, I know we're seeing a lot of studies done on uh, 
on veterans and folks with severe PTSD and some of the psychedelics being used. And, and I happen to have a friend who's had a remarkable change in his life under laboratory testing of this. So it's not like he's out experimenting on his own, but I'm just nervous that I don't want to be on the road with a bunch of people who are dropping acid. I, I, I want it to be under controlled situations with, as you said, you know, they they can be studied the doses can be correctly created and measured and that kind of utilization. I, I, you know, for an old hippie doc, I'm very skeptical of all this legalization or normalization of, of uh, drug use everywhere. It makes me a little nervous. Me as well. And I guess I qualify as an old hippie too, but I never was quite a hippie, but um, I was in that generation. Dr. Michael Royson is our, our buddy. He is from the Cleveland Clinic. So much great information every week, and I encourage you, if you want to take control of your life and help you make you younger and live longer and and do wonderful things in the future, you need to visit longevityplaybook.com, longevityplaybook.com. Go there and then hang out with us when we talk. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.